Hey folks, welcome back. Mighty Thor Podcast here coming at you. Episode 19. Terry and I have got lined up for the current volume 620.1. Thor current volume 621. No, 620. 620.1 and 621. Oh, well, I can We did 620 last time. And... In between, uh, we're going to talk about the 1952 volume Journey into Mystery Annual 1, which details the first meeting between Thor and Hercules. Which Which will tie into when we go back to our next show and do the Olds. Yes. Because Hercules is in those. Yes. So... Having already met Thor multiple times, apparently. Mm-hmm. They kind of are old friends. Mm-hmm. So. All right, first, want to open the show with uh, some feedback that we got here. Got an email from Carlos Santos. He says, hey, guys, I just wanted to drop you a note to let you know how much I look forward to and enjoy your podcast on the Mighty Thor. Not fully caught up yet with all the episodes, but we'll get there soon. Although I love the content of each episode, I really love the theme you've chosen for the intro as well. I also consider your podcast to be unique due to the old-time radio feel, which makes it rather unique. Please, don't change a thing. Thank you. Carlos. Well, thanks, Carlos. Yeah, thank you. We appreciate the feedback. We appreciate all the feedback. That's, that's all the quasi-house cleaning kind of stuff we've got there. So as I said, the first book is 620.1. And it's got a, just, uh, the cover is just a large image of Thor holding his hammer. Doesn't really have anything to do with the story. story opens with a couple guys driving down the road from Broxton as part of a uh, convoy of different types and sizes of trucks heading to Asgard. They're vendors. Yes, because we see that they are bringing their wares into the castle and speaking to Andrimner. Andrimner who is the uh, processing clerk accounts receivable. He's the accounts receivable man for the Castle Asgard. I think also he must be the party planner. Could be, yes. Because he, he is be. in charge of the feast, so he's the party planner. Of everything. So, yes, he's marking the supplies as they come in. and We see that they're bringing provisions, obviously, for a party. We then cut more than likely to later on in the day. We're at a big feasting hall. There's Asgardians everywhere on the floor, on balconies above. And Volstag is speaking and introducing, uh, welcoming everyone and introducing Balder, who then comes up and is, speaks to everybody about how 
rough and difficult things have been and how he wants to get back to the the heroic warrior winning battles feasting type type lifestyle that um, Asgard is is known for and so he kind of gives them a rousing speech to kind of uh, get their spirits back into uh, a, a positive light after all the evil and darkness that has befallen them over the past couple dozen issues, actually. And as they are feasting and roasting, we see that another vendor is, is come in who, uh, who apparently is not on the list, but indicates, you know, I, I have a statue that they will want to see, and the individual turns out to be a... Um, I thought I thought giants were from Jotunheim, Jotunheim, but he he says he's from Jotunheim and his name is Gravelmere. He's a, a sculptor, some sort of uh, rock smith, and he unveils a huge statue of Thor that might I say is very well detailed. Yes, and he presents that to the Asgardians. Uh, honoring Thor in that it's a statue of Thor, but also honoring the Asgardians by giving them this this uh, work of art. And so, Balder, feeling uh, quasi-vainglorious, uh, he knows Thor's and he's buddy with Thor and, and everything, and so he goes into detailing for everyone who all know Thor also, all of the different things that Thor has done, and basically it's an opportunity for the artist to do a two-page spread, cramming in just as many things about Thor's past as he can, and uh, I inadvertently failed to mention that the script, the writing was by DNA better known as Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning. They always work together, so they're abbreviated DNA. Cool. Art is by Mark Brooks. Color by Sonia Obak and John Rausch. And the letters by VC's Joe Sabino. VC being, I guess, a, a company. And Joe Sabino being the specific person that did it. So... That was just an opportunity for Mark Brooks to do a two-page spread with lots of Thor's villains and uh, companions and various battle scenes from recent memory. And uh, continues to talk, continues to to, uh, to toast everything. And while he is, this gravel mirror is making his rounds around the, the hall congratulating everyone and he, he uh, Balder indicates to Gravelmere to go ahead and take a seat and as he's walking around he's greeting everyone and as he's greeting everyone he's touching them and by touching them he's turning them all to stone which automatically should give you some indication as to 
who or what this person is related to at the very least. I don't recognize him as Gravelmere. I've never seen that character before, so. Me neither. Uh, so he has walked around and he's turned everyone to stone and, um, Balder attacks and as he does, out of Gravelmere emerges the Grey Gargoyle. Like he had on a suit or something like that. He was wearing this rock giant suit and so Balder begins to attack but unfortunately he doesn't do a very good job and the Grey Gargoyle lays a hand on him and turns him to stone too. So now all of the Asgardians who had gathered for this feast have all been turned to stone. I kind of suspect now that perhaps that statue of Thor isn't Thor, isn't a statue but is Thor because they made mention early on in the story about where is Thor. He mm-hmm. should be here. Mm-hmm. So I kind of suspected that when he first came in with the statue of Thor. I, I didn't really suspect it at first. But Women's intuition. Uh, yes. So then we cut to a, um, I guess you could call it a vignette. Um, the the the. As Grey Gargoyle has left to search Castle Asgard and pillage it, and he's left Thor the statue to think, and the statue starts thinking, which kind of indicates that it's Thor, and he's thinking about how he um, was on Earth and fought an old adversary of his called Mangog, And uh, it turned out it wasn't Mangog. It was this gray gargoyle again wearing the trappings of another being. And during the battle, he tricked Thor and got close enough and touched him and and turned him into stone. Uh, He then came upon the idea of using this statue as a way into Asgard, um, I'm not sure if he was aware they were having a party and the statue would be welcomed or if that was just coincidence. I think that was just coincidence. So he um, he has learned how to shape rock and sculpt it around his body. He did it first with the Mangog uh, impersonation and now he's doing it to become a rock giant and transport the statued Thor into Asgard, and that being his way in. And what's he there for? Who? Grey Gargoyle. What is he always after? Oh, uh, immortality. Immortality. Something to turn him immortal. Uh Uh-huh. So he's looking for the apple of Edun, Edun, I-D-U-N-N, which is an apple that has been taken from the world tree itself and one bite supposedly will imbue mortality on the biter. So he's looking all around and as he is, Thor here in his statuesque form is getting more and more pissed until finally he just summons a lightning bolt that just... um, I don't quite understand. It it turns him back into stone. You see the rock down here at his feet. That's not how it happens. 
the great gargoyle doesn't encase them in stone. They become stone. Right. So I'm not, you know, it, it's not something you can break out of. It's your skin. It's your, so I, I, that's not very accurate, but it's an ends to a mean, means to an end. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, so now Thor is here and he's looking around. He's seeing that everybody has been turned to stone. He starts looking for the gray gargoyle and finds him just as the gargoyle has found the uh, the apple. So now he and Thor start to fight. Gray gargoyle uh, catches Thor's hammer, flings it back to him, and while Thor is in the process of catching it, he starts beating on him and again gets close enough to lay his stone hand on Thor and Thor turns to stone and he turns to stone holding the apple so that means now the gray gargoyle cannot get to the apple because it's encased in a stone hand at that point other Asgardians whether they be ones that have de-stoned or just guards who weren't there and have now finally come around. Because that stone thing only lasts for an hour. Yeah. They come and, and find him and chase him off. And um, we kind of get back to the party and now there's a statue in the hall of Thor holding his hammer with one hand and a golden apple in the other and he's got this smug looking smile on his face and there. They're all wondering what the smile is from. And those few that did see the statue before noticed that it's not the same as it was. And so there is our 620.1 whose uh, marketing point was to be a good jumping on point for new readers. And that story has nothing to do with the story that came before or after. And as a matter of fact, came in the midst of an ongoing storyline. Mm-hmm. And is it going to have anything to do with the new storyline after this current storyline ends? Probably not. Alrighty then. It's it's a one it's a one off. It's a one off. Yeah. So. And I'm, may I say that I particularly prefer the art. Yes. Of this group of people that did this than the current story that we are. Are now reading. Yes, I, I prefer I'm much, this art. I much like Mark Brooks's uh, drawing, inking, perhaps if he does his own inks. But uh, yeah, the coloring is is much more defined and restricted to certain areas, giving you more a sense of form. It's more realistic, almost, if you're going to call a comic book realistic. Yeah. So I particularly like the way he uh, they they did up to Greg Gargoyle. Yeah. Yeah. He is all gray different. except his cape, mm-hmm. mask, and gloves, which are blue. And and I, I like that look. The mm-hmm. gray, everything in the blue mask is is particularly he's, he's much cool. more handsome in this. Oh, I'm sorry, and he's got blue. Like swim trunks and little blue booties. He's much more handsome. 
So in this current issue that he was in the journey in the mystery. Okay. All right. Next is the annual, the 1952 volume of Journey into Mystery, the annual, which published was 72 pages. But we're only going to talk about 17 or so pages that in, that are the story of Thor and Hercules' first meeting. The other, what would it be, 55 pages are reprints of four of stories from four different issues of Journey into Mystery, all of which we've already discussed. So okay. we've, we've discussed those. Yes. And as you said, this issue is the first meeting between Thor and Hercules. And it was written by Stan Lee, and the art is by Jack Kirby, the inking by Vince Coletta, and lettered, mostly lettered by Sam Rosen. They always pick on poor Sam. Yeah, he's at the bottom of the He's list, at the bottom so. of the totem pole, and they pick on him all the time. And it's, even though it's, they say it's never recorded in history and probably didn't happen. book we found out yes and it's also kind of forbidden almost because it's the they're enemies of asgard and most people don't go there because they don't want to get killed or lost but thor's thought is the nothing ventured nothing gained so he wants to go out and be full of valor and he's looking for something to smite yes he wants to Give Asgard a good name by his smiting of something. Loki's like, mm, this boy, he's just going to bring us to death is what he's going to do. He's not bringing us any glory. But Thor doesn't care. He says, look, there are giants ahead, and they have found the entrance to Olympus, and we have to stop them. Because the giants were thrown out of Olympus. Doesn't exactly go into why, but I'm assuming they were rabble-rousers. Yeah, I'd never heard that. The storm giants of Asgard are outcasts from Olympus. Never heard that. Okay. You heard it here first, folks. So that Thor's decided that he has to stop him, and Loki's decided that Thor's crazy. So he kind of runs off while Thor runs in and starts to fight these giants. And they are like, old pesky little ant, go away, and he's doing a serviceable job of beating them up a little bit and beating them down but they managed to to get him down to the ground and he's like no you'll never beat me and he smokes the ground with his hammer and when he does that he causes them to drive back he scares them so much in the full retreat but he's also caused a rock slide in the ground because he has hit it so hard and he starts falling and he falls for time throughout Without. Without end, through a vast void of heavy nothingness, of shimmering energy, 
barriers and mystic space disruptors. I just had to read that for you. That's the exact uh, words. There you go. I'm telling you, it's just it's it's poetry. Stand at his best. Stand at his best. But it shows Thor falling headfirst through the shimmering energy that he was speaking of. And Thor realizes as he is falling that this is no ordinary fall, that he's not going to just crash into the earth here in a second, that he is actually falling through the hidden entrance to Olympus. So he finally lands, and he's in a little chamber that he's never seen before. And he manages to find his way out. And he's in this very green, lush area, and he looks over and he can see the lands where the other immortals dwell, as he puts it, Olympus. And he says, it looks different, but yet it seems so much like Asgard. And they show Pan and... What's the goat boy's name? He's a satyr. Satyr. There's a satyr. There's a woman playing a, a harp, and there's a soldier. Or, I'm sorry. Pan is the satyr. Satyr. This back here is a centaur. Centaur. Thank you very much. Half horse. And they are... They're all just having fun, partying, and, and Thor is sees a bridge, and he sees a man across the bridge, and he decides that he's going to go find out from this person across the bridge exactly how he can get back to Asgard because he knows he, he doesn't want to stay there. And lo and behold, the man is Hercules, and they both have egos the size of all the sky. Yes. And... Hercules is like, no, I get to go first. And Thor's like, nobody tells Thor he has can't go first, so I get to go first. So Thor starts across the bridge, and Hercules, it makes him mad because he's not going first. So he throws the bridge off into the water so that Thor can't cross it first. And they both talk about their temper and how it can't be equaled, and it's like two very spoiled, rotten children fighting. So Hercules picks up this huge boulder and says, I'm going to toss this huge boulder at you. But he tells him where to move because he's going to throw it at him. He's like, you better move because I'm getting ready to throw this at you. He's going to throw it where he is, not at him. But he wants to put this boulder right there. Yeah. And so he tells him, you, you, better you should move, move because I'm going to put I'm it right there. Right there. So Thor's like, if you're trying to impress me, you can just go ahead and stop. And Hercules is like, boy, you're just brash, and you're beginning to bore me. He goes. And so Thor's like, fine. I shall no more bear this insolence, and I shall throw my hammer at him. And Hercules is thinking, I've been showing this man how strong I am. I can't believe he's still coming after me. What matter of fool can he be? Picks up the rock, starts to throw it. Thor busts into the rock and busts it into all kinds of little pieces. So then they decide, well, okay, we're going to fight hand-to-hand combat. And really, because we, we already know that we're both strong. We both know that. So they start fighting hand-to-hand, and Thor throws his hammer and manages to, to knock Hercules off balance. But then when Hercules lands, he stands right back up and, and throws the hammer back at Thor. And they're fighting, and, and they can't believe that no matter what blows they're throwing at each other, the other's getting right back up. And they're so impressed that, that there's, there's so much strength in this other person because they've never seen this before. And so Hercules decides, well, I'm going to take this staff, bend it around Thor so he can capture him and keep him as a captive. So he bends this staff and puts it around Thor, and Thor 
busts out of the staff because he's so angry because he's been put in it. It, it is the pole of heroes. Thank you. The pole of heroes. My color man. It was just sitting there in the ground. Uh-huh. Uh, looked like maybe it was some sort of uh, shrine or something because there's an urn here on a little pedestal he knocks over. Mm-hmm. But it's a big, long pole, and at the top of it is the face of a of a warrior, a helmeted warrior. And, yeah, so he's he's going to tear up a monument of some sort. And uh, I guess it's made out of metal since it's bendable. Mm-hmm. And he's going to capture Thor. Tie Thor up with it. Mm-hmm. Nice but little Thor, bow tie. But Thor busts it, so there goes the monument. Bust it. Bust it. And so Hercules decides, well, I know how to better him. I will just continuously pound at one portion of his body until he has to give up. So he's pounding on the shoulder of Thor over and over and over again until Thor finally topples over. But he reaches out with his hand. I've never seen him do this before. Digs into the ground, manages to pull the sod like a big rug and knock Hercules off his feet by pulling the rug out from under him. Never seen him do that before. So now Hercules is down on the ground. He's picked up a couple of rocks. And Thor's like, well, you might as well not throw those at me. You've already tried to throw a big boulder, but he's mushes them. I'm sorry. He 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 rubs them against each other to to a fine sandy grain and throws it into into Thor's eyes. And Thor's still coming at him, fighting, even though he can't see because he knows he can't just stop or Hercules will win. And Hercules is like, this is my chance. This is the only time I can do it. And they're and they're smacking at each other. And then all of a sudden. There's a groundswell that hurts them both into the air, and they stop. Because lo and behold, here comes Zeus. Zeus says, I've watched this battle long enough. I think he's afraid they're going to hurt each other because they're both so strong. He said, I've watched it long enough. You have proven that you are equal of strength, and I think that it's time for you to just stop. You're both deserving of glory. You're both the winner. Nobody lost here, pandering to their egos. And so they both decide, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll bow to this authority figure and we will agree that, that we should stop here. And they decide to become friends since they can't be good enemies because they can't beat each other. They decide to become friends. And Thor says, I want to go home. Zeus sends him out of Olympus back onto the ground of the storm giant, Jotunheim, right? Jotunheim. And there's Loki. And Thor's like, where in the world have you been, you little coward, you? And Loki's like, I, I just went for help. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, where'd you go? And, and Thor knows better than to tell him. And all of a sudden, the earth starts shaking, and there's this mountain forming from where Thor just came from. And it's Zeus creating a huge mountain so that no one can get down through that area where Thor fell down into Olympus. And Thor and Loki watch the mountain form, and then they just go on their way to go back home. Thor not telling Loki anything, because he knows if he knows anything about it, he'll try to use it for evil. So, therefore, they ride off into the sunset. As happens at the end of any good western. Yes. So, what did you think of that one? I liked it. It was It was good to see Thor actually have a, a good rousting battle that, that he couldn't necessarily win. But the egos forever. of those two. Whew, I guess if you're big, all-powerful like they are, 
you get an ego. I guess. I mean, it's 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 been written into both characters forever. Mm-hmm. So. Well, Thor's never so egotistical as when he's up against. Yeah, somebody. Somebody with mighty. some power. Yeah. yeah. All right. We'll move on into the current volume of Thor, issue 621. And on the cover, we see Thor with his hammer getting ready to strike what I assume is the world tree. Can't really tell what that is. And at the top, it says Marvel Studios Thor in theaters 5-6-2011. Woohoo! So there's a heads up. All right. Story opens with Thor as one of the, what were they called? Blood Warriors? Mm-hmm. Are you, are you going to tell them? Uh, who did it? Uh-huh. Fraction Ferry, La Rocha, Hollingsworth, Arola. Ah, yes. Written by Matt Fraction, art by Pascal Ferry and Salvador La Roca. Um, the art by Matt Hollingsworth and the lettering by a Mr. or Mrs. Ariola. A-R-R-E-O-L-A. Ariola. Ariola. Okay. Blood Warrior Thor with hammer in one hand, which is every bit as big as he is. I'm not sure how the spell affects that. And the Sword of Odin, which is every bit as big as he is. I'm not sure how the spell affects that either. Uh, that's way too big for Odin himself to wield. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you see Just because this Blood Warrior Thor is like... Well, you see the... Little tiny people at the bottom. <laughs> the world eaters here, by comparison. Mm-hmm. So he's battering through them, and, and they're coming at him by the hundreds here to try to stop him because the last order that was given was to kill him to bring him down before he got to the world tree, which is where he's trying to, to walk to across this battlefield, basically. And uh, we see him moving trying to struggle because it's the you know larger animal being attacked by like army ants i'm mm-hmm. sure everybody has seen some kind of science show that has where the army ants will just Swarm. consume something mm-hmm. or like time-lapsed photography of fly larvae eating a dead animal that's kind of what i envisioned they were going for here all the little things against this big thing And while they're watching this, Odin decides he's going to give the battle one last effort and does indeed injure the the world eater uh, god, but ultimately the world eater dude defeats Odin. And in his agony, Odin cries out uh, with a cry that can be heard. My impression is basically the world over, but the people of Broxton can hear it too. And it, 
it doesn't give them the warm fuzzies, apparently. So Thor, uh, still trying to make it to the world tree, is starting to succumb to the uh, the the creatures that have been picking and biting and, and whatever at him. But he does make it, uh, drops his hammer, and does a two-handed swipe with the Sword of Odin at, at the world tree. He hits the world tree. And in damaging the world tree, it, well, it does a couple things. First, the world tree is interdimensional, but yet it does not exist in any dimension. So you can't see it, feel it, whatever, without help. Usually it takes some sort of magic spell to make it visible, to make it tangible. Somehow they were able to do this to make the world tree a tangible thing. Because understand that the world tree is like the backbone of the whole universe. So it almost by definition cannot be something visible. Otherwise it would be visible throughout everything. I mean, it's just a, it's a concept that's hard to put your mind around. It would be part of, and everything would be part of it kind of concept, the world tree. So you don't see that, but they do, and Thor manages to strike it. It becomes tangible permanently because of the damage that's done to it. Now, I couldn't tell if that's until the damage is healed or forever. If it's forever, that's a problem because they will have to guard it all the time or people will come and try to do stuff to it, other bad guys. Because if you can cut through the world tree, you can unravel the whole universe, you know. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and also what it does is in injuring the world tree, the world tree kind of fights back by feeling around and locating those things foreign to it. Such as the world eaters. Kind of like organ rejection for an organ transplant. Mm -hmm. The the world tree is part of the universe, and basically it, it did a, a quick once-over of the universe and located those things that were not it, not part of the world tree, and fixed on them and dispatched them somewhere else. It, it, it shot them out of its body to get rid of it, thinking that this foreign um, organism was what had caused it damage. Right. So that those those foreign things turn out to be the world eater because they come from a universe different from ours. They're not made of the same substance creatures from this universe are. Uh, so it, it, it casts them out, basically. They just disappear. Now, they don't just disappear. They, like... Uh, fall away like like leaves falling from a tree or a plant. Uh, the soldiers that had been turned into these blood warriors kneel at the tree, and as part of this purging process, the world tree purges them of the substance that made them these huge warriors. Yes. Heals them. Whether it was matter from Asgard or matter from Earth, whichever. Um, while all of this is going on, 
physically and in other non-corporeal realms, the people in Broxton see visual manifestations of this whole thing. And it's manifested as this massive light show and the appearance of a giant tree and, and kind of a, kind of a show. And so they kind of know, hmm, boy, something just went on. So, uh, the, um, warrior bodies are, are cast off like husks of an insect. The world eaters are gone. Everyone is, is, you know, shaking themselves out looking around, realizing that finally this battle's over. Volstag's hungry. Volstag is hungry. He's always hungry. As as, as Thor tells him, you're, you're always hungry. And Volstag says, well, you're always handsome. We all have burdens to bear. So Thor locates his hammer, picks it up, which he dropped because he was wielding the sword, basically. And then everybody in and around Asgard start yipping and hooping and hollering because they won and and everything like that. Thor. Uh, Later on, they've set up a, a funeral pyre and Thor attends it and throws in the armor of one of the dead warriors. And, um, Basically, it's kind of the the fire being the purge, the ending of this storyline of this um, chapter in Asgard. The fighting, the battle is over, done with, we can move on. And what we move on to is Kelda. Aimlessly walking through the desert following some voice that she can barely hear barefoot and looks like maybe she was engaged in the battle because she's kind of covered in blood splatters and whatnot. So I'd say just about everybody in the area got blood She, she must have been fighting. Or, no, I'm sorry, this could be the material that came out whenever they popped into our dimension that mm-hmm. rained from the sky, the, the blood rain. Mm-hmm. So... Um, and so the last we see of her, she's wandering off into the desert, which I know from having read online that uh, Fraction says isn't a isn't a throwaway. That's that's going to come up later on in the um, Thor book. Now we cut to these world eaters. You know, well, they got cast out of our dimension. Where did they go? Well, we see them here, um, and we're not really sure where they are. Doesn't doesn't really say, but they 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 realize that they're somewhere, and so they they lay claim to it. And uh, the king's sage says, "Well, you know, this is your domain." You own this. We're the only ones here. This is all yours. And they notice that something is is going on, and the king tells them to be ready because now that they are 
not in their realm, their universe that they come from, and they're not in our universe. They're in this, like, neutral universe, which means that they are susceptible to physical damage more than they were when they were in the in our universe and so the Asgardians have chased them to dispatch them once and for all and the last we see is that Balder and Tyr had followed them and so now they're going to have at them again in an environment that makes these world eaters more susceptible, more vulnerable and remember Balder and Tyr died Remember, they left to go fight the world eaters yeah. by themselves. But so did, to meet them in 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 an, did in an advanced guard. Yeah. So and then that battle. And they got beaten. They got beaten. They got beaten, but we don't know that they got killed. And I kind of think that they're they because Kelda uh-huh. is talking about saving someone from hell. And the what she is walking toward looks the same as what the world eaters are in. As they are talking, they're actually there, but it looks like that's what she's walking toward. Because you see the same sort of terrain. Uh, and then okay. all of a sudden you see Tyr and Balder saying, oh, you think you're here by yourself. You're not. And they have supposedly died, so I think they're all in the in the limbo. Yeah, I was going to say, wasn't hell destroyed though, as part of that Mephisto Desir thing from earlier? But was it? Because Mephisto is a big old fat liar, because he's the devil. Mm-hmm. He's the devil in disguise. Yep. So I think that they have gone into a nether world, right? A where where the Asgardian spirits of Tyr and Balder went when they lost that battle, where Kendra... Kelda. Kelda. I keep wanting to call her Kendra. I do too. Where Kelda is walking toward because she wants to save Bill. She wants to get Bill back. and right. she's And this voice is telling her, you come do what I say, and you can have Bill back. I'll bring him back out of hell. And I think they're all going to hell. Okay. In a handbasket. Right here. Could be. And that's where the next story is going to take place. Could be. Now, next month being April, mm-hmm. this month, uh, the Adventures of Thor continues in Thor Volume Thor. I'm not, volume 2 maybe or Volume 3, but a new volume of Thor and Loki will continue on in the Journey into Mystery title, which takes over the current Thor's numbering at 622. So in later on this month, we have a Thor 1 and a Journey into Mystery 622. That's basically Loki-based. Yes. Okay. Matt Fraction and uh, Oliver Copiel will be on the Thor book. And then... Karen Gillen and Doug Braithwaite will be on the Loki book. And are they using the Loki as the child that Thor brought back? Yes. Okay. 
And there we go. And is that the Silver Surfer we see on the cover of the Thor 1? Yes. I believe so. Let me see. It is a silver man on what appears to be surfboard, a surfboard. Yeah. And Galactus in the background. That ah, is. Ah, I, that was just like a little shadow to me. That okay. is Galactus. Okay. So apparently, once again, Galactus will be threatening Earth, which has happened on and off. The Silver Surfer is his herald. Mm-hmm. And so I guess Thor is going to repel because Galactus is the world eater. His sustenance is the absorption of planets that can support life. Okay. So it looks like Thor is going to be fighting Galactus, and I don't know what Loki's going to be up to. Mischief. That's what he's always up to. All right, so there we go. Uh, Next episode, episode 20, we will be talking about Journey into Mystery... 1952 volume issues 123 and 124 I thought it was 124 and 125 the last yeah, two 124 and 125 the and last two. the first volume of the 19 the first issue of the 1966 uh, Thor yeah I think that book was just called Thor okay so those will be our three old 124, and I think also 125 both have Hercules in them. Okay. So. All right. And. It's a continuing arc story there. We still have uh, some mini series that we can talk to, talk about. So far, what's finished has been uh, an Iron Man Thor mini, a Loki mini, Thor First Thunder, Thor for Asgard, Thor Mighty Avenger. And Warriors 3. And then there's still two out there that haven't finished yet. Astonishing Thor and Thunderstrike. Which is only loosely tied into Thor. So. Keep your ears peeled on the feed for the next show. It could be us talking about one of those. You never know. That's right. And that's all we've got for you guys this evening. If you do want to get in touch with us, you can email us at the Mighty Thor Podcast at gmail.com. Leave a comment on our website, which is comicbooknoise slash Thor. Leave a comment or start a discussion on the fan page, which is the Mighty Thor Podcast. Mm-hmm. It's the name of the fan page. Mm-hmm. So there's three different ways to get a hold of us. Also, if you do have a chance and you're on iTunes, leave us a review. It helps people find us. Miss Terry, anything else you want to say as we head out the door? No, I'm just I'm, I'm kind of happy that we're finished with that World Eater story and we're going to move on. Yes, and move on with a much different artist. Yes. I'm familiar with Copiel's work and I have enjoyed it in the past. I'm excited. Not familiar with what he's been doing lately, but in the past I have enjoyed his work. So, All right, guys. Keep on listening in, and hopefully we'll keep on putting them out. Let us know what you think. We'll talk to you later. Bye.